Today's episode of Crossing Broad is Adam hungover from the Bleacher Apart party, Kyle pretending like he can't do the podcast, and Russ having just watched the Sixers-Lakers game, explaining what happened to Adam, who didn't see anything because he was at a party. So the entire Sixers game last night had the feeling, I had that like awful gut feeling that I had during the Seahawks game, and okay. and it felt like you're on national TV, and like in our Slack chat, I like to say that Phil and Jeff are kind of like the angel and the devil on your shoulder. Like Phil is the ever eternal pessimist and Jeff is the eternal optimist. And what, what happened last night was the Sixers looked like they were going to get run off the court at multiple points in that game. LA continued to hold like a 10 to 15 point lead for large chunks of the game. Sixers would get within seven and then the Lakers looked like a good team who would pull back away. And so finally, like Rashawn Holmes, on the day that Jaleel Okafor finally gets traded, our oh. our Philadelphia nightmare is over. Do you hear this noise? I hear that. That's actually Brooklyn celebrating getting Jaleel Okafor. That's incredible. Yeah. Way to go, they're Brooklyn. Having, they're having Way a parade, a 6 a.m. parade. That's fantastic. Look at them. Um, they're probably going to, you know, they're going to need it for uh, whatever. Anyway, so Jaleel gets traded along with Nick Stauskas, and I think it's the 2019 second-round pick for Trevor Booker from the uh, the Nets. Uh, so on that same day, like, Rashawn Holmes goes out and does something that Jaleel never did as a Sixer, which is look like he cared, show energy, and beat somebody off the dribble. Um, Rashawn kind of willed them back into it. Joel stepped up pretty big at the end. Covington was doing a solid job of making them bite on a pump fake and finishing at the rim. But... The end of game is something that we've talked a lot about and that Sixers fans, especially those who are critical of Brett Brown, have talked about in the past. Sure. Uh, like execution issues at the at the end of games. And so give I, me the scene. Set the scene. It's a tie game. It's 104-104. Oh, 21, 21 seconds on the clock. The Sixers have... Who's got have, the ball? The Sixers. Oh, fuck. We should win this so, game. Should. So there's 21 seconds on the clock. 15 seconds left on the shot clock. And we go into a spot that I know I'm going to get killed for bringing up. I've had issues with Ben Simmons at the end of games with time left on the clock and not looking like an experienced point guard because he's not. And this is, I guess, part of the growing pain. James Harden, if he's coming down the floor, Chris Paul, if he's coming down the floor, how many seconds do you think are left on the shot clock before they initiate the offense to get the Probably final Probably around... Probably around seven or six. Ben Simmons starts the offense with 15 seconds left on the shot clock, 20 left on the game clock, which is a terrible idea because even if you know what you want the final play to be, which we all know is going to be Joel in the post, you're still going to give time for the Lakers to come down and either tie the game or win the game. You don't start that offense until, like you said, maybe seven seconds left. Even if you're going to go into the post to Joel, it still gives an option for him to, to pop it back out to Redick or Covington at, at the the top of the arc and instead they initiate this offense so early joel goes in drops an incredible spin move i think on julius randall which he'd been doing most of the night and they they turn it over lakers go on a fast break they kick it out and i swear brandon ingram has been the like the most overshadowed guy the guy who's the number two pick in ben simmons draft and for some reason even the national telecast from what i was watching didn't really highlight that much because they they want to compare Ben and Lonzo or Ben and Kuzma for being in you know considered the same rookie class. But Brandon Ingram's this like forgotten guy. 
gets an open three, and he buries it. Damn. And so, and like the Sixers get the ball back with .8 left. They've got Redick. They've got Covington. They even have Bayless. They can't get it to any of them. So it ends up being a Rashawn Holmes chucks it up like at the buzzer three that hits the top of the backboard. And I don't want to be super negative today. Like it's not my goal, but somebody, Brett Brown, somebody has got to get in Ben's ear because this is not the first time that he started the final play of the game with way too much time on the clock, at least in my opinion. And maybe I'm wrong. Now, maybe if Brett Brown told him to do it like that, then I guess it's fine. But that means that he's been doing that constantly. And it really, I can't think of a time that it, it's benefited them. There, I don't see any benefit, especially, you know, even if you're home. What I see, Embiid had 33, Simmons had a triple-double? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I just finished watching the game, so I don't know all the stats off the top of my head like I usually do. I'll pull them up. But, like, they fought back. I was happy to see that they fought back because early in that game, it did not look like they came ready to play, which sucks because it's a nationally televised game. You always want your team to step up large in those games. And, like I said, for a good chunk of that game, they were behind double digits to the Lakers, who are obviously not a good team. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it's just a little bit disappointing. And, and again, it's like end-of-game situations. Like, they're a young team. I get that. And, I, again, this is, I guess, where... We talk about having to have realistic expectations and adjusted expectations, sliding scale and everything that you like to, you know, talk about. Uh, Redick had another bad, I, I would consider it a bad shooting night. 5 of 13, 2 of 7 All right, hold on. Like, it's 1 out of 82, so we don't have to evaluate. But I'm curious about what, where were you when you found out Jaleel got traded? Because that's a big moment that we've been waiting for for three years now. Yeah, I was at home playing with my kids. And I really quick checked Twitter because I'm trying to be a better dad and not be on my phone. Good move. And as I I, I still get, like, the push notifications from, uh, from Shams and Woj and Mark Stein. And I saw that come across, and I just got elated. And it's it's nice to get a player back in a trade. That, like, look, I don't think Booker's going to do a whole lot. I made the joke on Twitter that Jerry Colangelo is the one who organized the trade, thinking that he was getting Devin Booker. But it's better to have something than nothing. Nick Stauskas had, had no role left on this team. He wasn't getting in games. J.J. Redick is the much-improved version of him. I would still argue that I think the Sixers think that in Furkan Korkmaz, they, they have a better version of that player. Maybe not now, but for the future. And while you have J.J. here, you don't really need to even have Furkan or uh, or Nick here. And Jaleel wasn't doing anything. Like The weird thing to me, and I, I, I get tired of this narrative. I don't know how you feel about this. I don't know how you feel about it in football or anything else. But the national telecast, David Aldridge and Marv Albert and Reggie Miller were talking about Okafor was a number three overall pick in his draft. Nick was a number eight overall pick in his draft. And they're trading that and a second-round pick for for this guy, Trevor Booker. And they made it sound like Philly got fleeced because of where those guys were drafted. And yeah, their, I hate, their draft spot has no indication on value. I I totally agree. Like I just, uh, it's interesting. I was at my desk, and uh, another host came over, and he goes, did you see Okafor? And I was like, stop it. 
And I picked up my phone and I saw that he got trained. And I was excited and I went to Maurice and we were excited and we were talking about Okafor. And he goes, man, I would have taken just that second round pick for Okafor. And I said, no, Maurice, we gave up the second round pick. And we just started laughing because to think about the value of Jaleel Okafor to the point where he is just one piece of three pieces for Trevor Booker is unbelievable. Like the devaluation is unbelievable. Just severely misread, but we were happy just though that it was, it was more relieved than happy. Um, How are you, how are you going to handle Okafor scoring 18 points a night? Um, I think I'll, I think I'll still be able to get some sleep. Okay, good. You know, it's, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I feel better for, for Jaleel now because he wasn't getting on the floor. I feel good for Nick because Nick was like a, a solid pro when he was here. You never heard Nick getting into any kind of shenanigans. Nick and, did like, his he just, duty. He was a part and, of the King swap. Yep. He was a good Canadian. So Salute. But, um, I don't know. Like I, I'm not expecting a lot from Trevor Booker. I'm kind of expecting him to come in and be like another Amir Johnson. I would say, if anything, if there was a narrative that I liked to take out of last night's game, I think it was Rashawn Holmes kind of standing up for himself. And like maybe he, maybe he's taken this Trevor Booker signing as you know Booker's been averaging 22 minutes a game, 10 points, um, and six and a half rebounds a game. Like maybe he was trying to make the case that like he needs to play more. And, like, we're on the flyer side of things. Dave Haxtell's been benching young guys and saying they need to earn their playing time. If we apply that to basketball, like, I think especially last night in a big game, big national game, Rashawn Holmes kind of stepped up and, and made a case to be a, you know, a, a bigger rotation guy than than he either might be now or what they might have been projecting forward. So it's cool. Man, how you feeling for Sunday? I don't feel good. Four o'clock, Eagles, Rams. LA. I don't feel good and and this is Russ doesn't feel good. It sucks, man, because like I, I like to try to be level headed, but like when one team loses, it just wrecks my opinion of all the others. Like the He's Flyers trying now, to be level headed. <laughs> yeah. But like the Sixers losing kinda has me down. And I think the Rams are a better team overall than the Seahawks are. I don't think it's obviously gonna be harder to win there because I think you're gonna have more Eagles fans. Hence why, why Fox was doing the casting call to have Rams fans come out. Um, but I, I just think that McVay is going to have a better offensive game plan. I'm hoping that – I have to imagine at this point that the, the front four of the Eagles D is going to be able to collapse the pocket and that Goff is not going to be able to pull any kind of a Russell Wilson. And like that's run around the key backyard to the football. game. Yep. That, that's the key is – Sean McVay's offense is a million times better than Seattle's. Aaron Donald is as impactful as a lot of those guys on the Seahawks defense. They're going to get pressure on Carson. I think the offense is not going to be what it's been. I think it'll be another tough game. You know, this is like a 24-point Eagle game, like how many points they'll score. The question will be, as we get spread out on defense, will the front four be able to generate pressure? If they do, it'll be great because I don't. I think that they could get Jared Goff, and I think that uh, they could really, really uh, have him having his head on a swivel. But if they can't, and then uh, Todd Gurley starts going, 
It'll be tough. I actually, for the first time in 12 weeks, picked the Eagles to win. I I am no longer the mush. I went 12-4 and four against the spread last week, and the Seahawks actually beat the Eagles. So I said, you know what? The mush doesn't exist. I'm making the Eagles a lock. And, uh, no, I think that... Um, I think that the Eagles are going to bounce back. There's something about the Lane Johnson quote that I saw that has me very fired up. He was super pissed off, and that gave me a lot of hope. So I don't know why something as simple as that is impacting me. Was his quote the one, was it him or Fletcher Cox was the one that was getting overrated chanted? And he said, okay, we'll oh, see. Fletcher Who? Cox got overrated. I saw that, and I was like, yes. What was Lane Johnson's Please overrate Chant Fletcher. He was just saying that, like, I'm pissed, and we're not doing that again, and we're, we're going to learn. It was just good. It was what it was the textbook answer. I guess we'll see the, the advantage of them staying out on the West Coast for a week as well. Yeah, it'll be tough, especially with all those forest fires. Because I know the Rams had to practice indoors one day because of it, because of the uh, the air wasn't uh, good. I don't know if that's the scientific term. The air wasn't good. I have a friend who uh, who moved out there, and she posted a picture on Instagram of her like wearing one of those medical masks, and I was like, "What the heck is this?" And then you know she was like, first time ever experiencing having to like wear one of these because of all the ash in the air." It's scary stuff. You don't really think about it on the East Coast because you never experience anything like it. But This is, uh, look, I love California. And I have thought about living in California for a long time. But their coast is receding and they're having forest fires. I don't know if it's the best time to go. I kind of feel like California is constantly under attack from nature. Yep. There's also earthquakes. The There's also earthquakes. Yep. Yeah. Not a not a fun place to live. Man. Well, it is a fun place to live, but Dude, I have Alvin Kamara on my fantasy team. How did he do last night? He got concussed and had to leave the game. So it that's was... good for me. Stop, you can't say that. No, it's good for me cuz I have Well, you, I had Mark Ingram who didn't do much last night, it would appear. But if I'm somehow able to advance my oh, fantasy you're playoffs, sick. it's good for me the next week. And our listening audience has just appreciated and taken in how quickly the current NFL fan reacts to brain-crippling CTE. I mean, he he's got gonna... concussed, and then less than a second later, oh, that's good for my fantasy team. Not even for this week, possibly for next week. <laughs> Oh, Look, man. it's not a concussion. I know, he will, I'm he'll he'll recover. Who's the guy from the Steelers? I saw that Ryan Chazier's not going to play this, again this year. Well, they they made it sound like there hasn't been. Have you heard any new updates on it? Because the longer no. it goes without an update on him being able to move his legs, the I more think I he's feel. in trouble. Yeah, and so like that's the kind of injury that that rattles me. Like well, got, that's I, why that's I what that, I said on the, on Sims and Lefko is. That's the reason why Juju's hit got a suspension and people were calling the game disgusting because when Ryan Chazier got hurt, mortality was reintroduced to the fan. We were reminded that at any moment, these guys could lose the feeling in their legs just by playing that game. And so every hard hit afterwards was seen as that much more impactful. 
because, you know, it's, it's easy for us to move on. But the image of a man, not even a man, a top five defensive player of the year right now going motionless on the field is startling. It's startling. And I want to say this. I don't think Sean McDonough should have said that. I thought that Sean McDonough should have said, should have been more cautious. He came back and was like, his legs haven't moved and we'll be right back after the break. And it was like, what the fuck? You cut on me. I'm sorry. Did I? Yeah. Oh. You probably didn't. I, I refreshed a Google search. Oh. While you're talking. Oh. So he said. So he said his legs haven't moved. I just said that. I thought Shaw McDonough should have been a little bit more classy, and not said that right before commercial, which I thought added to the fear of the fans at home. But I was just saying that that Ryan Shazier moment re- released or revealed the mortality of the sport. And that's why the rest of the game was so hard to watch. Uh, I, we had a whole conversation about this on the podcast, which was, how do you root for football anymore? How do you, how can you process the long-term risks, but also the sudden enjoyment? Because like I said, I love the hits. I love Jacked Up. I love Ronnie Lott. I love those hits. And it's tough sometimes, but... I appreciate those guys putting their lives on the line for us. So I'm going to say thank you before I say I can't watch this anymore. Yeah, like it's it is rough because um it was who was it reading? It was Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban had a had a quote I think yesterday or 2 days ago. And they, he was asked about like the future of the NBA and how the NBA is becoming so popular. I, when I was listening to you guys the other day, you guys were talking about how, like, 10 years ago, the NBA was, like, a garbage product, and nobody cared until the playoffs, like, all that. And I agree. Totally. Like, I, I got to a point about 10 years ago where I, I didn't really understand why I was still watching the NBA. Right. And to see the league grow as it has, to see that they, within a calendar year, are planning on having a uh, G League team in Mexico City that quickly. Like, they want to expand the game globally that fast. And they're finding success internationally with with some of these big stars. I mean, like, they look poised. And I know that it's it's a huge hill to climb. It's not quite Under Armour trying to go over Nike. But the NBA, I think, is now at a point where they're in striking distance of being able to see a potential of getting very close to the NFL. Maybe not surpassing them. I don't mean this year either. Like, this is a a few years away. But for every one of those hits that you see in football, for every one of those guys that you see that may be paralyzed, or the more that you learn about your favorite former players having CTE or having violent you know, bouts or, or suicides because of CTE, because of concussions, you know, like, God forbid anybody from, uh, like, I, and I, I don't want to use name, but like, imagine if your favorite player who played on the Eagles, who happened to play safety, who was like, maybe everyone's favorite player or, or, like a top five player of all time. Imagine if 10 years from now he dies and they find out that he had CTE and it ruined his quality of life. Like that's going to change you. It's different when it's, it's a guy who plays for another team. And luckily for, I think to this point, there haven't been many Eagles players, former Eagles players who we've heard about having, you know, awful bouts of depression, suicidal thoughts. No, I'm saying it hasn't been a ton of guys, but like, I don't know. 
I'm I'm saying like once it happens because it, ine- Wait, it what inevitably did Mark Cuban will. Say? Mark Cuban's quote was he was asked about like the NBA versus the NFL and he said that like he expected the NBA to continue to grow because he said like they were talking about basketball versus football. And he said honestly, what parent right now when you were watching these two sports, what parent wants to sign their kid up for a sport like like football where you can get injured at, at the rate that you are? Versus Cuban, I should, Cuban I pull, was the big prognosticator a few years ago with the quote, you know, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered, talking about how the NFL is oversaturated, the market. And he's looking like a genius right now. We were actually talking about this at work, Russ, and we think the biggest reason, this is just like over lunch, is the world plays basketball. The world doesn't even refer to the sport called football that we call it as football. Football means a million different things across the world. They they have a marketing problem. There is they don't even have one name for their sport. What is it? Basketball. Oh, I know basketball. What is it? Football. Soccer? No. Gridiron? No. Rugby? No. Aussie rules football? No. Gridiron, American football, yes. Ooh, America. That's that's what it is. Yep. They don't I mean, even have a, they don't even have a one name. Look at our team. Like our, our team is headlined by an Australian and a Cameroonian. You know what I mean? Like our oh, well, I mean our, our team our team is essentially like the uh the UN. We've also got Croatian. Furkan. Um, yeah, and and uh What's no, Furkan? Yeah. Turkish? He's Turkish. So like and and up until yesterday, we had Stauskas, who was Canadian, very a very exotic uh, creature. Um, this is the exact yeah. Thing. Rashawn Holmes Just... is from Greece. No, he's not. What? You didn't know that? No, he's not. He's one of the Grecian freaks. Stop. Yeah. I don't know. Rashawn Holmes and Glang. Holmes Anopolis. Holmes. Yeah. So oh, this is good. this is the exact Holmes quote. Just so I'm not making stuff up, Cuban said. Uh, as part of this quote, well, and in the big, I would like to. Hello and welcome to Crossing Broad, and now we have a special report from Russ, who's going to read a quote from Mark Cuban. Russ, hello, this is Tom Brokaw, and Mark Cuban had the following to say. And in the bigger scheme of things, in terms of building fans for the future, what do you want your kids to play? I mean, of all the sports out there, do you want to go to a baseball game, or do you want to watch your kid play basketball? Do you want to worry about him? A whole football game, or do you want to watch your kids play basketball? Do you want him to get healthy from running the court, or do you want to watch him play football and worry about collisions? Look, that game, I thought, was on Monday night the worst night for the NFL that I've seen in a long time. What if I told you that a top five defensive player of the year would leave the field on a stretcher and we'd be worried about if he could walk again? What if I told you that a former coach is now a commentator and described the game as disgusting, sickening, and I have a hard time watching this? And then after the game, a pro bowler, a Super Bowl winning quarterback and a future Hall of Famer said, I'm going to advise my son to play golf. All of that happened on Monday night. That was a awful night for the NFL. And my thing is Cuban stating the obvious now. Sims always talks about he's pushing his kid to play baseball. He is. 
he's going if he wants to play football, he'll support him. But he wants them to play baseball because that's where he could have a long career. Yep. But I mean, it, it's a shame. But like you're totally right. Was was the disgusting quote? Was that Gruden? Because I didn't was, watch that Monday night game. It was Gruden and McDonough. Man, McDonough gets a little heated. He's my new uh, media guy that I don't like that much. Really? Yeah, he's a Syracuse guy, so I probably should like him. I just I don't know. I don't. I miss Tariko. He was the best. I do too. Tariko was fantastic. So, uh, I'm trying to think, who is it that they said is going to go into the booth with Tariko the next two weeks or something like that? Oh, a, uh, Kurt Warner. That's it. Blech. Mm, that's hey, another, did you did you know that Kurt Warner used to bag groceries in Iowa? Man, you know I hadn't heard that. Did you know he used to play in the Arena League? Oh shit, yep. that's fantastic. Do you know that his wife uh, looks like a young? Um, I got nothing. I was going to yeah. say Billy Idol. I was going to say no. <laughs> um, really quick. Um, a, a What's all the lesson thing? planned for today? I don't know. Um, what? Question, though. I've got, I've got two matchups that I want to ask you about. Okay. I'm excited. Hold on. Yes. Uh, Kyle's okay. not here, so somebody's got to hold up. Matchup one. Matchup one. Alshon Jeffrey and Tremaine Johnson. It'll be tough. How do you see it? How do you see it going? I think the thing that's that sucks about Alshon here. The here's the one thing that sucks about Alshon, and the one thing that's great about Alshon. The one thing that sucks about Alshon is he's not going to get by somebody like Tremaine Johnson. He's not faster than Tremaine Johnson. Uh, he's not that much bigger than Tremaine Johnson. So he's not just going to blow him out. The good thing with Alshon is it even if Tremaine's all over him, Alshon can still catch it. That's his great trait, is that he's covered. He's never going to destroy somebody, which is why it's tough that we're paying him like a number one, but he'll still make those 50-50 catches, and that's what's good about him. So I think Alshon will have uh, a nice like five-catch, like a uh, 65-yard game, Okay, maybe a score. Apparently he hasn't been... Wentz hasn't been intercepted on throws to Alshon Jeffrey. How about that? All season. Um, Buddy. The other, other matchup on the other side. Have you ever seen heavyweights? No. Oh Wait, yes, yes, yes. Hey, yeah, chubby kids. Yes, I've seen it. Okay. Buddy. Hmm. Okay. Wait, Was that the one that had the blob? Yes. Oh, I love the blob. Man, Russ, you are young. How old are you now? 27. Oh. Such a child. You have so much life left to live. I know. Thank you so much. Very excited. Just don't spend it in the coal mines. Matchup number two. The canary versus the coal mine. Canary I'm just always kidding. wins. I'm just kidding. I still, I'm still bothered that Kyle didn't know what a canary in a coal mine meant. Look, he was a little over his skis like on that one. Ago. Why does he love that phrase so much? Over yes. his skis. We could say a lot of things. Like, I don't think he's going to listen. Um... <laughs> Matchup number two, Sammy Watkins and Ronald Darby. You said on Monday yes. that Ronald Darby is like a walking pass interference call waiting to happen. I'm waiting, for, yes. How do you think that'll play out against Sammy? Um, 
Man, well, I think it depends on the defense that Schwartz plays. I feel like since Darby's come back, Schwartz has wanted to play a lot more man-to-man because he's like, I have the horses, let them run. And I get it, but... And going man-to-man helps you stop the run because it allows you to put more guys in the box, so I get it. Uh, I think he'll do okay. Um, Here's the truth. Our quarterbacks play as well as their defensive line lets them. And here's what I mean. If Fletcher and Brandon Graham and those guys are getting a lot of pressure, Ronald Darby's going to play great because that's just the truth. But with time, anyone can get beat. I think Darby will be fine. It's interesting. It's a matchup of two uh, Buffalo castoffs, um, guys that were traded from Buffalo in a fit of rage. But... Uh, I think I think it'll be okay. I'm I'm worried about. Uh, I guess I'm worried about Todd Gurley. That's the guy. The we haven't really faced a good running back in a long time, and I'm a little bit worried about Gurley if that offense starts to click. It's fair. Of course, it's fair. Is it right? I don't this know. Why, this is why we come to you for football. Ooh, the rare Russ yawn. Yeah, there it was. That guy's going to get all over me now. <laughs> you know, we had new iTunes reviews, by the way. Oh, let's hear them. Uh, i got to pull them up. Can okay. I just point out really quickly, the Flyers have now won three straight after losing ten straight. And I still hate them. Why? Because Ron Hextall came out after, I think it was the ninth loss or the tenth loss. And was... This is, I think it was Karchidi's the one who screwed this up. I was listening to Broad Street Hockey, and they were, they were lambasting someone. I think it was Karchidi. Hextall came out and gave like kind of a vote of confidence to Dave Hextall. Hextall to Hextall. Hextall on, on Hextall here. Um, gave him a vote of confidence that he's going to coach you know, this year in the long term. But he didn't actually say that quote. But I think it was Karchidi. Maybe it wasn't, but I'm pretty sure it was. One of the Flyers guys who I, I don't think has as, as good of a reputation um, put out a quote. He actually put that into quotes that Hackstall will be the coach this year and for a long time going forward. And then I guess Hextall either came back out a little bit after or something. and Or the writer, somebody essentially like retracted and said, well, he didn't really say that. I wasn't saying that he said it. It's like, well, you put it in quotes. Um, but they they won three straight. They actually last night beat Vancouver. Whoa! In in Vancouver. Oh, Vancouver! Oh, second Ross Young. Yeah, who? That's bad. Vancouver went into that game uh, with a better record than the Flyers. I always think that Vancouver is a tough place to play. Anyway, you're playing out on the West Coast, but they won four one. Gostaspare had a goal. Raffle Giroux and Wayne Simmons is back. And when I say back, like he was never really gone, but he was. Uh, He's definitely been fighting through some kind of an injury. He looks a lot better now. But um, All right, so new reviews. Yes. We're up to 311 ratings on iTunes. We are now up to 281 five-star ratings. That's amazing. So uh, three ratings. One was from November 25th by South Philly Curmudgeon. Very good podcast. Oh, very good Philly podcast, five stars. Very much enjoy the podcast and contributions from Adam, Kyle, and Russ. Imagine how awesome the podcast would be if you took it serious enough for all three to be together for a full show. P.S. Please limit the video game talk. That's hurtful. Then we had, you're not going to like this one. Okay. Anything better than Gargano. Good stuff. Five stars. 
Good stuff, but Adam comes off like a D-bag. Maybe it's his voice. He sounds like the podcast isn't worth his time. Listen to listen to this. Anything better than Gargano. You're very wrong. Incredibly wrong. I'm going to get Donald Trump to attack you with how wrong you are. And finally, Jay So Oh, Stone. Russ just defended me. That was really cute. Thanks, well, Russ. It's, it's just inaccurate. It's very inaccurate. It's clearly worth my time. I wake up at 6 a.m. three times a week to talk to Russ and Kyle. And to start at, like, you wake up at uh, a little bit before 6 to typically start at, what, 6.15? Yeah, you, so just a little behind the scenes for the loyal listeners. Usually it's a 5.50 wake up with a little drop message in the Slack just going, hey, and then Russ with the hey. And we just do that so that Kyle gets filled with guilt to where he has to send the link so that we can start. It's a nice little dance we do every morning. And Kyle either has to wait for his coffee machine to maybe work. And then he like puts us on hold for a good like 10 to 15 minutes for him. It's to an get abusive relationship. Ready. It really is. And it's funny because this is a little insight from the holiday party. So I'm talking to Kyle's wife. Oh, are you sure you're going to say this like, right now? Yeah, it's fine. And because she'll listen to it. I don't know if he will. She deserves a lot of credit in their relationship. She films him for the <laughs> old fashioned, the old fashioned uh, video. And she also deserves credit because she said, you know, I said to her, like, do you realize that Kyle starts this podcast like really late nowadays? <laughs> and she's like, yes, I'm usually the one that wakes him. Or oh. he's like, he's downstairs, I guess, presumably making coffee or something. And she like yells down or texts him to like get him to like get it together and get up because he records in their bedroom. And like behind a, every behind every man is a woman of much higher ability. That's true. This I'd like to salute you, Mrs. Scott, the woman that keeps this show together. Sure does. So last review, and I don't you know what I should. You read never it. want to cross that broad. Hey, okay. Um, final. <laughs> Did you review. just turn into the fonts? I don't know what those. Hey. Um, final review, and I don't know if I should read it. Because it's three, it's three stars. But like, I, I feel no, like we this don't guy read was, three stars. I think he was under the influence, though. So, so it's by Jaso Stoned, and I think he must have been when he wrote this. Because he said, "Great to get to break from those garbage stations." Three stars, even if it's just a few hours a week to get to listen to Philly sports talk from somewhere other than those garbage stations is such a nice break. Th- and I'm adding punctuation because it's not here. Thanks for fellas. Keep up the good work, but replace Russ with me, who's got free takes, which I think is supposed to be great takes, and can actually finish the show each morning. Come on, man. LOL. Keep it up, and just maybe you will once keep your word and read my five-star review. Ha 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 It was three stars, though. It's not five. You, you hit three. He may have written another one. And then he said, I sure hope you would be better than Barrett Brooks. Seems like a great guy, but does nothing for me on TV. It would be so great to have Von Hebron back. And then he signs it, Jason Stoned, 36. Anyway, we're up to 281 five-star reviews. Apparently, when we hit 500, Kyle is going to give away something from the website. It might be a gift card to the Crossing Broad store. Did you just make that up? He'll never know. That was great. Yeah, so when we hit 500. 500. Yeah, Kyle's giving away all of his merchandise for free. We're cleaning more. the office. Five hundred star reviews. You got a sweatshirt. It. It's great. I gotta tell you, I've got my um, the first Joel sweatshirt on today. Oh, you're gonna wear it to school? I am. It's it's an awesome sweatshirt. I I have to say, like above all else, 
the stuff that you get from the Crossing Broad store, and this sounds like we're doing a sponsorship here, but like the, the stuff that you get from there is high quality and it's it's nice and it turns heads and it's great. My best friend was walking around uh, things like Willow Grove Mall wearing his Trust the Process ugly Christmas sweater before the holiday party. And uh, and he's, you know, he was saying that he got a, a ton of questions about where he got it. And so the first Joel, I'm expecting this is going to turn some heads today. I'm very excited for it. You just, you want to walk in, you want all the kids to be like, whoa, hey, what's up, Joy on Broad? Love the shirt. You're fresh. Sure. My classroom is like full of sports stuff. It's like half of my content field and half of half of sports. Do your kids I've got the know board. your Twitter have, handle? They don't know anything about me, hopefully. So there's like one side of my board is the Bundesliga standings. The other half is La Liga. And then I've got like this whole Philadelphia sports corner that's just like stuff that I've gotten from games over the years. And like the entire, I don't know, like the top track of my classroom, most of it has uh, Sons of Ben scarves and soccer scarves. It's a good place. I get I get compliments on it. It's your it's happy nice. space. It is like I, I feel I feel pretty chill when I get to you know finally take a break at some point. Are you going to do multiplication tables today? I love multiplication tables. I multiplication might have to happen today. Yep. Dude, you're yawning. I know so it's because I got up super early to make sure that I watched the Sixers game so I'd be ready for six o'clock. Because that's that's how much it means to me. You ever have those? We all have this. The game where like it's getting late and you want to stay up and power through it, but you know you're gonna fall asleep on the couch. Of course. And enter and enter that toxic cycle of falling asleep, waking up, falling asleep, waking up, and the scoreline keeps changing, and you get mad that you missed out on stuff. Oof. I didn't want that to happen. I I want to uh, salute you for waking up this morning and watching. I have done that with many Eagles games. And uh, I, it's amazing to see it reciprocated, and the podcast salutes your effort to create better content. Hey, the podcast also salutes you oh. for being here and awake and alive oh. after a Bleacher Report holiday party that I'm assuming... I had a lot of whiskey. ...was fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji, stock photo of a random party, <laughs> Jeff Skaversky. That was a good one. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was in Brooklyn... Uh, and I ordered pizza late last night, so I'm just a mess right now. That's a move that I would make. That's yeah, nice. My body is my body is not a wonderland. It is it is it is upset, and it is uh, is asking me why, like Tanya Harding. Wow. Why? Why? So first, I I got I got hell because actually Tanya Harding I, hit. I just kind of what's the yeah, Tanya Harding name? hit Nancy Kerrigan. Nancy Kerrigan. It was Nancy Kerrigan who sang. Why? Why? My favorite sound. Do you remember the clip of the news reporter stomping grapes that fell? No. Oh. All right. Just go online, everybody. If you haven't seen this, which I know you have, and Russ just haven't, hasn't because he's a baby, is. Reporter stomping grapes, and she falls, and she goes, ow, 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 That is my favorite noise that has ever come out of a human in the history of the world. More, more than is... Winston Churchill's speeches, more <laughs> than the sound of a baby giggling, that reporter being hurt after stomping grapes is my favorite noise. I like the sound of, uh, do you remember the video Scarlet Takes a Tumble? No. Very, uh, uh, a portly African-American woman singing some song. I don't know what it was, but she sings, maybe we can be 
together ever and she's like up on a coffee table when she does this and she takes a step forward and it kicks out from underneath oh, her and yeah. she goes boom boom <laughs> and I, I she was apparently a good sport about it I think she got a Tosh.0 redemption or something so that's great that's awesome anyway we've we've gone nicely off the rails I think uh, I gotta go so unless no, you want to go on a on a, a rant to end the show no I just want to say a uh, shout out to Mrs. Scott I didn't know that you were doing that and you are awesome uh, shout out to Kyle for hitting record. Shout out to Joy on Broad, Russell Joy for carrying the show today and breaking down the Sixers and their recent loss to the LA Lakers. I'm going to give a shout out to the Philadelphia Eagles for their upcoming win over the Rams, 24 to 21. Russ, what is your score prediction? You're going to predict a loss? 27-17 Rams. 27-17 Rams. Uh, and I want to. I give hope a, I'm wrong. I, I say that. Well, of with course. The full expectation and hope that I'm yeah. very wrong. Like, dude, we all know that you want the Eagles to win. It's all good. And a shout out to all the fans that have listened to us all the time and have put up with a tough week of podcasts. I want to apologize on behalf of the three of us and Scott that the podcast uh, has had technical issues. Russ and Kyle have been talking a lot about how to fix it. And every now and then, I send a text and go, sounds good. Um, but I didn't have any mic issues today. I know. I'm proud of you. But I don't know what it is, but we're working on it. And uh, we just appreciate you guys. So go Eagles, go Sixers, go Flyers, go Phillies, go Union, go Soul, go Wings. Go Wings? Yes. Yes. And uh, for Joy on Broad, for Crossing Broad, for Scott on Broad, I'm at Adam Lefko, And we will holler at you. On Monday. Russ, what do we do now? I don't know. Maybe we just message Kyle. Let's say, so it was like, what, 40? Just before and Kyle, keep all, he's got, Kyle's going to keep all this in, too. 42. Hey, just, just keep keep talking lower so, so listeners think that it's fading down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave right now. And all right, so should we hit mute? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, have a good day. Oh, okay. shit. Child.